We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 291. Happy New Year, friends. I hope you had a lovely December, and I am so excited to kick off 2023 with a whole bunch of amazing episodes. We are starting off the year with a full season called the WEF series, celebrating the start of WEF 2023 and everything that is, you know, the special aspects that make Wellington what it is. Basically, Disneyland for horse people. So our first guest today is a top rider. She is a young professional. She had a very elusive junior career, went to Europe for a few years, came back to the U.S. to start her own business, and she is doing so, so well. So I wanted to have her on to not only talk about how she got to where she is today, but to really talk about how she navigates timing and overall fitness and getting horses ready to peak at the right time. We just finished a a lower or lighter season for a lot of us riders where, you know, November and December tend to be a little bit quieter, gearing up for a full season ahead for many of which is in Wellington. So I wanted to also talk to her about how she gets her horses back in shape safely and effectively to be able to peak at the right weeks that she has planned out for each one of her horses. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Gia Rinaldi. Hi, Gia. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I don't know if I know this. I would love to hear how you first got started in the horse world. What did that look like for you? For me, it was a little bit more of an unusual start compared to most. Yeah. I didn't from a horse family. Nobody ever rode. The closest anybody in my family got to horses was on a cattle drive in Texas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there was a small just riding school just in my town where I grew up in Illinois. And uh you know, they had these uh, little pony rides when you're really young and you can get on a pony and walk around in a circle. And uh, my mom took me there one day. And ever since that time, I was maybe, I don't know, two or three. I was just obsessed with it. And every time that my mom would drive even close to the barn, I always cried to her to please, please, please <laughs> let me go get on the pony and walk around in circles. <laughs> oh, I love it. Since that, I think I got a little bit of a niche for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't allowed to take a riding lesson there until you were four at the time. So, you know, ever since I was two or three, then I just kept waiting and waiting until I could finally take a lesson. And then my parents, they got me my first pony. I think I was six years old, a cute little paint pony, just uh, to have fun and learn, learn the ropes. And uh, yeah, she taught me a lot and then kind of just sailed off from there. Wow. Amazing. Give me a little bit of, the, I guess the summary highs and lows of things that stick out in your junior career. There were a lot of highs and also a lot of lows. I'd <laughs> like to were more highs than lows, but obviously with horses, there's always lows. Yep. Obviously huge highlights of mine is honestly just to grow more connections with people and, 
you know, my, my trainer at the time I was riding with Alex Jane and he really helped me kind of get my name out there in the junior ranks. I got so many catch rides through them and through that, it really just jump started my career. And I knew this exactly what I wanted to do then. So cool. And for lows, I mean, <laughs> obviously there's always lows. You fall off or you have really bad rounds, but honestly, you just, you come back stronger and you learn from it. Totally. Your path to becoming a professional and maybe also looked a little different than a traditional path. I know you um, were in college and then you kind of ultimately decided it wasn't necessarily for you. What what was that like making that decision and, you know, kind of deciding what path you were going to do? Kind of walk me through your your thought process during that moment in time. So if it were up to me and I took nobody's advice, I went against everybody's advice. I wouldn't have even gone to college. Mm -hmm. Every single person that I talked to said, at least give it a try. You want to have a backup. I never really stood understood the whole backup thing, but yeah. every person that I talked to told me to give it a try. Um, probably you'll want to stay the whole time. And halfway through the year, I just couldn't do it any longer. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I really have always wanted to go to Europe to be a writer for a show stable out there and just see new things. And so I quit college, um, got a job out in Europe with Helena Stormans. And, you know, for us, it was kind of like, well, we'll do like a three month trial. And if we like it, then obviously we don't have to talk again. And I really thought I was maybe just going over there for a summer thing. And nearly four years later, I was still there. So <laughs> wow, so cool. What was the importance to you to go overseas to train and experience that world? Well, I had went there one time to try horses <clears throat> um, a few years before that. And I just really liked the whole dynamic of everything. And it, it was all just so brand new to me. And I just wanted to know more. It was an unreal experience. And I think I learned so much. And I would definitely love to go back. Yeah. Yeah. While you were in Europe, you spent significantly more time caring for the horses and like really getting to know them day in and day out. What would you say is one of the most surprising things you learned about horse care specifically during your time in Europe? I would say that it really just depends where you are, but so many people do things so similar, but so different at the same time. You know, they each have a program, they stick to it, don't ever change it. And whatever works, works for them, right? I guess it also depends on if you're with high level show jumpers or you have a young horse dealing stable. It all just really depends. So to see all the behind the scenes of every different kind of stable for five-star Grand Prix horses or two and three-year-olds bringing them up. It's just so different. And I just learned a lot of how to do things a certain way. Yeah. Give me an example of how like everyday uh, life, I guess, in the industry was different in Germany than it was, uh, you know, the experience that you've had leading up to that point in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, so throughout my junior career, obviously, I was still in high school. Um, I was catch riding a lot. So I was super busy, never really had the time to care for my own horses. You know, we always had grooms at the time. So I never really got to learn the, you could call it higher level show jumping care. Mm -hmm. I had pony clubs and camps and everything growing up, you know, but it was really just the basics. Um, so to go out to Europe and basically be like, thrown to the wolves and 
here you do this and here you do that, you know, you really just kind of have to go with your gut and do whatever feels right. And you just learn so much more doing it like that and seeing how other people do it and, you know, just take the guidance as it comes. Yeah. At what point did you feel like you were ready to then come back to the U.S. to start your own career? For me, you know, I had an incredible nearly four years with Helena and experiencing Europe, but I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't forgetting where my roots are, which is obviously in the USA. And I I really just wanted to make sure that my name was still getting out here because I wasn't, I hadn't really shown much in the States in those whole couple years. You know, we'd come to Wellington a little bit, but mostly just with sales horses. Um, So I just thought that I really wanted to get back out here. And I got a really good job opportunity at the time. And I wouldn't change it for the world. It was it was just my time to come back. Yeah, definitely. And now you've been back in the US for a few years now. And you started with one client who had two horses. So what was the process like building your business, you know, from the ground up and figuring out, you know, how to make a career for yourself while still balancing, you know, taking on more clients while, you know, while you were just starting out? It was not easy. It was pretty surreal that I did that to myself because I came back to the States, had this client with two good horses, had to figure out how to get these horses going well, first off. Um, And second off, I also felt like I wanted to do a lot more. So I just started going to shows, trying to talk to people. um, And then eventually, after I would call it a few weeks, I started to do a horse with Andrew Bournes. And ever since that time, you know, people automatically start to think once you're with one client and then two clients and then potentially a third, you know, that I am open to doing other things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to maximize my time. I don't want to push it too much to the point where it's physically not possible, but I want a good group of horses of, let's say, seven or eight up and coming horses, whether they're sales horses or for the highest level. I really just want to be able to have a good group of clients and go from there. And it was honestly a journey. It is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was easy to say now, but at the time, you know, you always have your struggles and what do I do next? How can I do more? But honestly, in time, you just have to be one lucky and two, you just have to make your own luck as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, I feel like there's always the common thread um, and theme that hard work and like consistent work really does go a long way in this industry. 100%. Yeah. I mean, hard work never goes unnoticed. Mm -hmm. I always that never do it to be noticed um, because then nobody will notice you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's always the background things that people notice that, you know, just should be done without being said. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who might be finding themselves in similar shoes as you a couple years ago, you know, just kind of starting out. I know there's uh, for a lot of young professionals, there's that balance of, you know, how long do I stay under an existing program and gain more experience? Like when do I, if ever, you know, venture out on my own and try to start my own business? What advice would you give to that rider? You know, I always say, trust your gut, your gut knows best. You know, for me, I spent my last summer in Germany and then I came back in September, but kind of throughout the summer, I was thinking, 
you know, what should my next step be? You know, I was, I was ready to get going back to the States, but I had no clue what I was going to do. All I knew was that I just wanted to come back home, you know, and I think you can never learn too much, but I feel like you can also learn from different people as well. You know, never be afraid to open your mouth and ask questions. Never be afraid that you're just going nowhere. I always think that uh, my best advice that I could give is to not get in your own head too much. Once once you start overthinking, you know, you just kind of go over things in your head way too much. And mm-hmm. honestly, the best thing that you can do is to talk to many as people as you can and just uh, always, always think the grass is greener on the other side. So uh-huh. yeah, definitely. What would you say that you kind of do around, you know, this time of the year being the new year, WEF is now, you know, fully in swing for the winter 2023 circuit. What have you been doing up until this point? Did your horses have some time off? Um, were you showing? What do you kind of do to gear up for the WEF season? So for me, there was a really nice four star that they did the first week of December. Um, and I did my two good horses in that. And the it ended up going pretty well. Uh, the one mare was clear and fourth in the Grand Prix, the night class. And kind of ever since then, you know, you have the vet look at your horses and you just kind of do what you need to do to get them feeling their best for the upcoming season. Right. Um, and pretty much since then, they've really not done much, to be honest. Um, yeah. They just kind of relax. They go in the paddock. They get ridden a bit. Obviously, within the next couple weeks, probably starting next week after Christmas time, um, they'll start to jump a little bit more or they'll do some gymnastics training. Um, they'll like lunge a little bit, but I don't like to overcomplicate things as well. I just mm-hmm. like to keep simple, make sure their fitness level is up and just not overdo it. So, right. What do you do to gauge your horse's fitness level? What, what kind of things, cues, you know, what do you look at to feel like, okay, my horse is in good shape, fitness wise, mental wise, still feeling healthy, um, to kind of get, you know, that perfect zone to go into a show. It does sound a little bit funny, but I do like to take them for a trail ride. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just, honestly, I think it's so good for their brain. And if you can do that as often as possible, it really, really helps just keep their, keep their minds sensible, you know, and it's so good for their body, uh, all the straight lines by the canals and everything that we have in Wellington. I honestly judge their fitness through that because you can literally ride for hours on the trails. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask where you go when you're in Wellington. Everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the bridal paths do really, I mean, you can like, you can go a lot of places. Oh yeah. I mean, I do it for myself and also the horses, you know, I, I like a kid in a candy shop when I go and walk around all the stables so you know mm-hmm. and also, like we take a lot of walking breaks and everything too and I just think it's so good for their for their fitness and hill work and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and then now these next few months can be you know pretty demanding on both horses and riders um it's a very long, maybe sometimes a little redundant season, week in and week out. So what are your top tips for keeping your horses rested and healthy? And then 
what does recovery look like for your horses? Um, give me a little rundown of, of kind of like how you like to map out your WEF season for your horses. And then obviously the next question is, what do you do to do that for yourself? So actually what I've been doing the past couple of weeks is figuring out exactly what weeks I would like to jump each horse. So mm. at the moment I have about seven horses that I have to plan for <clears throat> most of them being FBI. So obviously you have to pick and choose weeks and which horse you want to use in the Grand Prix each week, right. because you really don't want to overdo it. So I think the best thing that you can do is print out a whole, what I do is print out a whole schedule. I must have already gone over it about 20 times with my pencil erasing and rewriting, you know, mm -hmm. just so that it makes sense, not only for the horses, but also for yourself so that you're not pushing yourself too much in one week. You know, you don't want to burn out halfway through the circuit and be like, Oof, I overdid it the first half. And now the right. second half, you know, I still have so much to do. So I think the most important thing to do is just spread it out evenly, you know, whether your horse does one week on one week off, um, or two weeks on and then two or three weeks off in between. I think the recovery period for the time should be at least two weeks if you've jumped a week or a week or two straight. I just think it just becomes too much, especially when you're not only asking them to jump during the daytime or on the grass field or in the night, you know, mm -hmm. you just have sex and it is warm in Florida as well, you know, so you just have to be very mindful of the horse. Right, definitely. I have some really exciting news for any of my equestrian business owners who want some help on marketing both on and offline. On Monday, January 9th from 5 to 7 p.m., my business coach, Miranda Rodriguez, is hosting a workshop that really just helps with equestrian business marketing. And Miranda's not a horse girl, but she is a marketing girl. She knows her stuff and she has helped me so much in my business. Did I also forget to mention that this workshop is completely free? Uh, what you'll get are five tips for marketing for equestrian businesses on and offline, live client testimonials about growing their equestrian business with a marketing coach or consultant, networking with other equestrians and business owners, and a live Q&A with Miranda and a couple of her long-standing equestrian business owner clients. What I also love about this is it is just a small group of business owners. It's not a huge event, so spots are filling up fast. So if you would like to look into this event and sign up while you can, visit Miranda's website at marketinguninhibited.com. That is marketinguninhibited.com. And there will be a link for you to register for the event. Let's say, I guess, for example, you show, um, you show one of your horses week one, and then it has week two off. What does that week two look like for him? Normally they will get Monday off Tuesday. If they have the whole week off honestly i would just take them for a trail ride on tuesday yeah. or a light lunch just something super easy get their brain working again try to go in the paddock for a couple hours if the weather permits and then kind of wednesday thursday i would ride them do a little bit i would say light to normal work and then come friday they can go back to i would say their normal to heavier work mm -hmm. depending on what you're gearing for right Normally, if I only have a week off in between shows, I would never jump them unless yeah. something terribly wrong. But normally they would never jump again sure. that week. 
Yeah. And let's say you're gearing up for a Saturday night class and it is Tuesday morning. Tell me kind of the rundown of what you would do for that horse. So normally how WEF works is you either bring your horse in on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Normally the jog would be one of those days, depending on the week. Mm -hmm. Um, So normally if that were so, I would try to actually give them Sunday off to be able to do something on Monday, just so it's not like they have a day off and then you're asking them to either jump or just work really hard on Tuesday to prepare and and they're fresh or something like that. So normally um, I'd like to do something with them Monday, whether it's a light lunge or heck out or something like that. And then Tuesday I would normally do a few jumps, see how they feel, and then just kind of gauge how they are doing as to how much work I work I do with them. So yeah, definitely. And then obviously I'm sure it's like a lot of it is horse by horse scenario. Um, do you do a lot of classes usually leading up to Saturday? What does that typically look like for like one example? So for let's talk about my horse Cosmona um, just because she's the one that I normally jump the Grand Prix on. Yeah. Normally if I were to do her in the night class, she, it really depends on the week, but she's a little bit better. The more you do, I would say. So whether they have like a 140 meter the first day, I would go and jump that. I would try not to jump the whole course just because I don't always think it's necessary. So I jump a few jumps, see how she's feeling. If she's a bit fresh or she just feels like she needs more jumps, then I will finish the course. And then normally after the 140, you're going right into the qualifier, which can be 150 and upwards. So mm-hmm. you have to bring your A game to that because obviously the goal would be to qualify for the night class. So definitely you have to be 100% on your game for that. Um, try to do your best there. Depending on if there's a jump off or not, and also depending on how the first round went, depends on if I go for the win or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I usually do not because I'd like to save it for the Grand Prix. And I always feel like if I run them around too much on a Thursday and then they have to kind of recover on Friday and then Saturday, you know, for a horse like Cosmona, I feel like the best is when you just go for a nice steady double clear round instead mm-hmm. of rubbery. And, you know, it just, it just sets you up so much better like that. Definitely. And then what about you? I mean, I feel like um, we all get so excited when like a new season of WEF comes around and then by like six, seven, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like we've been here forever. So what do you <laughs> like to do to keep yourself rested sane and you know ready to go for the you know the next week you know I'll give an example for that when I was a junior rider I once did 18 weeks in a row yeah (laughs) (laughs) honestly I think if I were to do it a few years later now I wouldn't have been able to keep up with it but then Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was just ride and show ride and show that's all I do and how I would manage in between is the Sunday after I would get done in my last class, normally I would try to just rest up. And obviously, sometimes on your Mondays, like now what I do on my Mondays is just organize everything that I put off the whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I also feel like it should be somewhat of a rest day. And for me, how I rest may seem different than others. I actually like to go to Pilates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just so good for my body. And when I don't 
do it for a couple weeks or like throughout the summer when you're kind of traveling a lot, it's a little bit difficult. So for me, I try to do it four or five times a week if I can. I just, that's like my winding down time. Yeah. So totally. Um, Do you have a place in Wellington that you like for Pilates? I love club Pilates. That's Mm -hmm. where I've gone. So I, you know, I've tried, I've tried gyms and all that kind of stuff, but for me, I don't have the motivation to just go work out on my own. Like <laughs> I need to do a class with an instructor. Uh-huh. Keeping up on- Specific time. You have to be there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. And if you can't cancel before a certain time, otherwise they charge. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You can't, you have to make that time once you, once you exactly. quit. <laughs> exactly. What is something that you're looking forward to this winter? Honestly, I'm really looking forward to bringing up some of the younger horses that I have with um, Andrew Wells. Cool. I have really nice eight-year-old mares from him that are turning nine, and I'm really excited to bring them both along. The one we're going to gear towards the U25 circuit, and then the other one, she will start to do her first big move up. So, you know, for me, it's super rewarding to see how far them two have come um, throughout the whole summer and all that, and just really look forward to, to getting them in the ring and having them step up. So, and obviously Amazing. I'll have my other two good horses to be able to jump the bigger classes on as well. Totally. What would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel like people either don't talk about or don't like know a lot about? Horse care. Yeah. I am super picky with horse care. <laughs> I think yeah. my group can vouch for me. <laughs> and it's not like I'm picky in a bad way, but I just things that I like done in my specific way mm-hmm. um, that I just think relate to the overall wellness of the horse, whether whether it's the, the hoof care or the leg care or before or after jumping, all that kind of stuff, I feel like adds up yep. to the whole dynamic behind the horse. You know, I, I just think it's so important, the horse care for soundness and just quality of the horse as well. What are your horse care steps after you school a horse? Always ice the legs. Um, if it kind of depends where I'm at, where I am, but I would also mm-hmm. like to cold those, um, ice the legs. Normally they'd always get like a arnica or liniment around mm-hmm. their, pretty much their whole body, their legs, hoof packing bandages, basically the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would try to do that every time that I can. So I just think it's super important. I mean, I know for me, after I've had a long day of showing or something, you know, I want to come home, I want to take an Advil or I yeah. want to use, you could use some Paragon. poultice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I want to use like a Theragun or mm-hmm. I even put like Arnica gel on myself. I, yeah. I, I do stretching while I watch a bit of TV at night. You know, I just, I know I feel better after I do that. So I can imagine how the horses feel as well. So totally. that's the way about it. I love that. I think that's important to continue to talk about and um, and just like I, I think finding ways and I feel like in our industry, such a great way to learn about horse care is to, you know, ask questions to people who do it really well in the industry and learning from other people, I think is so important. So I feel like you have really been able to find some great mentors, you know, as you were growing up and in your young professional career for, you know, people who do it really well and have that as, you know, a big priority in their, you know, in their program that you've been able to kind of translate into making that a big priority in your program. 
Definitely. And I think also when you go to away shows and, you know, you're in the stables and you have neighbors and you get to mm -hmm. see doing, I think that's actually one for me, one of the most important ways to learn is actually just to sit back and watch how right. people things and especially when I, I was in Europe you know I, I got the chance to go to some really nice shows and a few of the global tours that they had out there and yeah I, I was just jumping the two stars and one stars but they had but I was stable with all the five star riders as well and I was able to see what the riders did what the grooms did and that's how I actually learned most of what I did is just mm -hmm. and taking it all in and oh I like how they're doing that or oh I'm not sure if I totally agree with that you know sure. all the so. Yeah, I love that. Well, that I'm sure that was an invaluable experience in your life that you've been able to, you know, really take into what you do back in the U.S. now. Definitely. Well, Gia, thank you so much for taking the time on, in your busy schedule, like right as WEF is about to be in full swing. So thank you so much for taking the time. I'm excited to watch your season and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.